If you would, take your Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14. We're going to have a commercial break. Is that okay? We have those on TV pretty regular, unless you uh, hopper it or is that what you call it? <laughs> uh, and skip the commercials, but you can't skip this one. So uh, we are... We are uh, getting ready and we're planning our trip to uh, Jamaica, our mission trip, uh, coming up the first week of January of 2023. And uh, we have a group that is partially committed of about 22 or 23, which is great. We have a spot for 25. Uh, but we are, Angela Baxter, I started to call you Moore. <laughs> Angela Moore uh, is heading up our fundraisers, and we're going to have some fundraisers, and uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Would you explain kind of what this is about? Because we just have a couple weeks to get in on this deal, so, uh, you, well, you don't have to. <laughs> So you don't have to be going on the trip. If you download this link, you can order online. You could send it. That's what we would hope. You would send it to friends and say, hey, if you'll order something, we'll get 45% of that back towards our mission trip. So it doesn't matter if you're going or not. If you'll uh, be a part of that, that'll help raise funds. This is the first time they've ever offered that. Uh, so... Uh, that is a really good return. It's a really good opportunity for us to have a fundraiser for our mission trip. With that, next Sunday, we need about a $100 deposit saying, I'm going. So we can uh, go ahead and get the, uh, uh, the money sent in. We were supposed to do this a couple of months ago. Uh, so if you don't have the $100, don't worry about it. Just let me know. That's all I need. We have some scholarships uh, already in place, some folks that said we can't go, but we want to pay for someone else to go. So we have all of that covered. It is a life-changing trip, I promise you. If there's any way you can go, I, I want to ask you to, to really be prayerful about that and, and make plans to attend. It, it's a wonderful time, and you... Uh, it's not something that you have to be afraid of going to another country. There's, there's, of course, there's a slight element of risk, I guess, any time you go out of the country. But it is a, it's a safe place, and the place we go is way up in the mountains. It's away from tourists and all of those kind of things. So uh, next week, and if you want to leave it today, you can, and you can give that to Angela and say, hey, I am going, here's a little deposit, and we're supposed to send that $100 in to kind of, firm up our reservation. So we want you to come and be a part of that. There'll be more details coming with that in the next few weeks. So uh, don't forget about that. It's, uh, it's seven or eight months away, but it'll be here before you know it. So uh, we'll talk about all those details. If you're not getting emails from Angela, come see her and give her your email address because she's, she's taking care of sending uh, folks those, that information. Do y'all remember uh, layaway shopping? Do they still have that? 
do they? Do they still have Kmarts? No. Do y'all remember Kmarts and the red light special or the blue light special? The blue light special. <laughs> okay. Huh? I don't even know what that is. Y'all have to fill me in later on what that is. Everybody here but me knows about that, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm lost. Do you know? Oh, you know too. Blue light special. You got me on that too. Keep bugs away. Uh, if you're in the store and they had a blue light special going, all you had to do is look around the store till you saw the blue light flashing, and you could go over there and get some something uh, for half price or whatever. But we had layaway, and uh, you know that was kind of something you went and shopped for. Maybe at Christmas, maybe it's just something you wanted. And I guess Walmart has that too. Maybe other places. And you would lay it away in the store, and then you'd you'd pay on it, you know, and you'd finally get it paid off. It was kind of a, it was kind of a opportunity to buy something to pay it off. It wasn't credit cards involved and all that, but you could pay it off, and then finally the day would come you'd get it paid off, and you could go pick up your layaway. And uh, so it was a kind of delayed gratification. It kind of took a while to get what you really wanted, but you had already spied it, you would already saw it, you would already decided, hey, I want that. Uh, I'm going to start making preparations to get that. And uh, at some point, the, all of that planning paid off. If you turn to Joshua chapter 14, uh, you're going to see a kind of a story about layaway shopping uh, or mountain shopping, whatever you want to call it. But uh, it says now... This is Joshua 14, verse 1. Uh, list, yeah, we'll start in verse 1. Now, these are the areas of Israel that received an inheritance uh, in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the Israel, tribe of Israel allotted to them. Y'all remember a few weeks ago we, we saw where uh, Joshua had all the tribes come down and he divided up the lands and two of the tribes he left on the other side of the Jordan and uh, the rest of them, he said, these are your areas. That's what this is referring back to. He divided them up just as the Lord had commanded through Moses and Moses had granted uh, two and a half tribes their inheritance east of the Jordan but had not had granted the Levites any inheritance among the rest for the sons of Joseph had become two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and the Levites received no share of the land but only towns to live in and pasture lands for their flocks and herds. So Israel divided the land just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now, verse 6 says, Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and the Caleb, the son of Jephaniah, the Kenizzite, said to him, uh, Remember Joshua? This is, this is kind of my translation, and now the Bible it says, uh, You know that the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me, Joshua and Caleb. Remember, they sent out 12 spies, and 10 of them come back and said, We can't possess the land. Two of them came back and said, We can possess the land, and God gave it to us. That was Joshua and Caleb. We're talking about Caleb this morning. 
But he said, remember, Joshua, that uh, we came back at Kadesh Barnea after exploring the land, and I brought a report back according to my convictions, verse 8. But the brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. When they came back with their report, everyone was afraid. I, however, followed the Lord God Almighty, Almighty wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land of which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. So he said, Joshua, you remember that report? Remember, we came back to Moses. We told him this was a great land. And Moses said, all right, Joshua and Caleb, here's your inheritance. And Caleb, uh, I'm going to give you your mountain. And, and this is going to be your mountain because of the report that you have have given. Verse 10, now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since that time, he said to Moses, while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm as still as strong today as the day that Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to the battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord has promised me that day. And you yourself heard the Anakites that were there and the cities were large and fortified. But with the Lord helping me, I'll drive them out, just like he said. Caleb said, you remember... Uh, these Amalekites, they're large, they have fortified cities. They're, remember, they just defeated uh, Ai after a loss. But Caleb said, hey, I, I know the report was this, there are giants there and they have fortified cities, but uh, the Lord is going to give it to me, just as he promised. In verse 13, then Joshua blessed Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron, or his mountain of inheritance, so Hebron has belonged to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, over ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. And then they won the battle, and the land became a restful time after the war. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, mountain shopping today, or we're going to talk about layaway today. And it's kind of ironic to talk about mountains here in East Texas because uh, we don't see any around but when I was a kid we'd go on vacation and as we approached the mountains you could see the foothills and then uh, a little bit farther I remember saying is that the mountains is that the mountains and and uh, mom or dad say no quit asking no they'd say yeah they'd say that too but they'd say no that's just the foothills the mountains are much bigger and we would finally move from the flatland to the uh, to the foothills and to the mountains. We're kind of in the flatland here, but God made the mountains and God moves mountains and God even tells us that if we had the faith of a mustard seed, we could move a mountain, just a little mustard seed. He said you, you could move that mountain. So uh, we see mountains all in the Bible. The, the, the Bible even talks about one day the mountains are going to flee away from God's wrath. If you've ever been in the mountains and they're so majestic and they're uh, they're so huge. The, the Bible says one day they're going to fall. They're going to flee away from God's wrath. Now, Christians, we'll be gone. and We'll be with God when that happens. So, uh, but just to think about that, and, and, and really life's all about climbing mountains. And, and why do we climb mountains? Well, sometimes it's just because they're there. When I, was, uh, when I was young, we would go to Colorado a lot during the summer, and me and a friend of mine, uh, he was my dad's age, actually a little bit older. He 
uh, he said, I'm going to climb that mountain tomorrow. And I said, well, I'm going with you. And uh, he and I climbed the mountain, and it was a mountain. And we went all the way to the top, and we got to the top, and we walked around to the other side, and there was a stream of water. And he said, I'm going to get a drink out of that stream of water. So we went down the mountain and got a drink. And then we had to climb the mountain again. <laughs> and by the time we got off the mountain, it was nearly dark. We had spent all day long climbing the mountains. But, but uh, sometimes we have mountains of our choosing. Sometimes we have mountains that, that are just before us that we have to climb. We have to go over. And, and a study of Joshua, uh, the man is not complete without looking at Caleb because when Caleb was 40 years old, he was a young man. He goes out and looks at this land with all of these other spies, and he comes back and says, hey, I want that land. He said, we've been living on, uh, on desert food all this time, but this new land, it's, it's a great place. It has figs, it has pomegranates, corn, and milk, and honey, and, and grapes the size of softballs. You, you say, well, that ain't in Scripture. Well, let me tell you what is in Scripture it says that it took two men to carry a cluster of grapes from that land. Those were huge grapes. I don't know how big around they were, how big a cluster was, but it actually took two men to carry those things. And he looked at all that, and Caleb said, Man, this is going to be my spot. God has given me this spot. But these other ten spies said, I see giants in the land. I see all of these giants, and, and, uh, and they're, they're called Anakims, and, and they're, they're, they possess the land. And you remember what they said? When we looked at ourselves and when we looked at the Anakims, we looked like grasshoppers to them. They just come and step on us and squash us. And, and instead of Israel listening to Joshua and Caleb, they, they listened to the majority. Now, we already talked about that. They said, we're going with the majority and because of that, they wandered around in the wilderness. They wandered around the mountains for 40 more years until that whole generation died off. So this is where we are. They've possessed the land there. They're moving into the land. And those uh, who possess the land where they're moving into, they're formidable foes. I mean, they're, they're actually... Uh, seasoned warriors there but they're pagans they're they're not followers of god they're they're idol worshipers but they do possess the land and and they didn't believe that only there was one true god they believed there was many gods this is the land their possession and and uh caleb said i believe there's one true god he called him jehovah he said i believe there that that one true god and and we're going to move into this land these anakims and and we're going to wipe them out so that's what he did, and the, the entire race, that word Anakim, that, that, that's a race of giants. Listen to Numbers 13.33. It says, and we were there and we saw giants, the son of Anakim, some of the giants, which come from the word giants, and, and they were in our own sight as grasshoppers, so we were in their sight. They, they, they just said, these guys are huge. They're, they're all Andre the Giants. If y'all ever seen Andre the Giant, the wrestler, you know, he, he was a huge guy. But he was a very nice guy. But, but these guys, they, they, were, they were mean guys. They were warriors. They were ready to go and fight battle. So they were, uh, they were just big Goliaths, and, and they were in the land. And, and uh, all of Israel, except two men, looked at the Giants. 
But two men looked at God. You know, when we, when we walk up to our mountain, we, we don't necessarily need to look at the mountain. We need to look at our God because our God is, is bigger than the mountain. Our God is bigger than the giants that we see. They're bigger than the naysayers. And we need to understand anytime we start to do something great for God, there's going to be naysayers. There's going to be people that say, well, you can't do that, and we can't do that, and, and that church can't do that. Y'all are too small to raise money to go on a mission trip. Y'all need to stay at home, and, and there's hungry people in Delta County. Y'all ever heard that? You know, that's people's excuse all the time. Well, y'all go spend this money, and churches do this and do that when, when you ought to be doing stuff right here. Well, we do stuff right here at home, and, and I'm excited about what God's doing with our, uh, our, our clothing project and... Uh, What's it called? Student Outfitters. Thank you. It slipped my mind. And, and uh, you know, we every grade level this year in Cooper is involved in that. I don't That may be the first year. It's the first year that every grade level has said, you know what? I want to be a part of, of the Student Outfitters. And y'all hear more about that this year. And, and we've let out in that area. So there's a, there's a lot of opportunities, but there's a lot of naysayers too, but not Caleb. Caleb was... 40 years old, he spied the land. He said, I want this land. He had to put it on layaway for a while. Matter of fact, for 45 years, but he never forgot about it. He said, you know what? God promised me a mountain, and I'm going to go get that mountain. And we're going to look this morning real quickly at how Caleb have done, had, have, has done that. I'm going to give you the scripture references I'm not going to reread them, okay? You can reread them in your scripture, but uh, since we've already read it, but Caleb, he's 85 years old now. He's headed into the uh, promised land. He's already had a lot of great experience, but notice what happens uh, as he begins to, to shop and he begins to claim his promised land that he had picked out 45 years earlier. This is how he was able to possess that land. So Canaan, it, it equals a victorious life. That's what we talked about a few weeks ago. When we Canaan, that's what that represents, a victorious life. Joshua, he represents Jesus Christ, our leader. So we have, we have a victorious Christian life that's offered. We have a leader, Jesus Christ. And Caleb represents you and me. We're making a decision. Are we going to claim the victorious Christian life? Are we going to follow our leader, Jesus Christ? And are we going to make the decision to take that mountain that God has promised? So here's the first thing. We see Caleb surrender. In the second part of verse 8, it talks about Caleb surrendering to God. Caleb talks about himself surrendering to God. In the second part of verse 9, it talks about Moses said Caleb has surrendered himself to God. In, in verse 14, the second part of verse 14, God said this about Caleb, that he surrendered himself to God. See the pattern there? When we come up against a mountain, God says we need to surrender our all to him. And when we surrender our all to him, he's going to give us that mountain. And here's the thing, we sing a song that says, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I'll ever love and trust him. You know, that, that song doesn't say, the, the chorus says, y'all remember the chorus? I surrender all, I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender, I surrender all. That doesn't say I surrender some, does it? That's kind of what we do. All to Jesus, 
Well, some to Jesus, I'll surrender. That, that don't even fit, does it? Or, or maybe we say, uh, uh, well, I, 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 God, I'm willing to give you a little bit, but, but after all, I've got to keep my hand in this pot over here, and I've got to keep it stirred just in case this don't work out. We see that Caleb said it's, it's a complete surrender. And folks, complete surrender is not for just preachers or just missionaries. That's 100% wrong. The surrender is for all Christians. And, and by the way, God deserves our surrender. He sent His own Son to die on the cross that we might live, and we need to be surrendered to Him. D.L. Moody, I hope you all have heard of him. He was, a, he was a great preacher. He started out as a shoe salesman. He was saved because a Sunday school teacher, kind of preacher turned evangelist, uh, came and, and he was saved, and, and he began to preach. And he preached for years with very little power in his life. He was a no-name. He was just a, just a, a small-time preacher, and, and there was a turning point happened. This is a, a, his autobiography. He said one day he heard an evangelist named Henry Barclay preach. And this is what he said. This was the message. The world has yet to see what God can do in and through a man who is wholly and completely committed to him. I want you to hear that. The world has yet to see what God can do in and through a man who is wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, wholly and completely committed to him. Moody said when he heard those words, he realized that he wasn't wholly and completely committed to God. He, he was partially committed, and, and when he made a commitment to say, you know what, I'm going to be wholly and completely devoted to God, he began to win thousands to Christ, and literally throughout his life, he won thousands upon thousands to Christ because he held nothing back. He said, I'm going to give it all to God. This businessman, uneducated, shoe salesman, said, I'm going to sell out and I'm going to give it all to Christ. And God used him in a mighty way. That was Caleb and that was his commitment. That's us and that's our commitment. Here's the second thing, his strength. Where did he get his strength? Verse 11 says, well, look in verse 11. I said I wasn't going to do this. He said, I'm still as strong today as I was when I was 40 years old. I'm just as vigorous. I'm going to go out and I'm going to go to battle. I'm 85 years old, but hey, I've still got it. 85 years old, hey, if you're 60, say, I've still got it. Some of y'all are lying. Y'all know you're 60 years old. You may say, I got it, but I forgot where it's at. But, uh, but listen, Caleb said this, I've still got it. I'm 85, but I'm ready to go get my mountain. How did he get that strength? The second part of verse 6, the Lord said he'd have the strength. Verse 10, he said, I've got the strength. Verse 12, the Lord spoke that strength. Verse 12 again, the Lord said, hey, you've got the strength to do this. You know all of that? If you're 85 years old today, if you're... 58 years old today, that's what I am. If you're, uh, if you're anywhere in between and you say, you know what, I just don't have the strength to do it, I don't have, well, you probably don't, but God has the strength. And Caleb said, hey, I've got the strength because God spoke that word that he's going to give me the strength and he's going to give me deliverance. And, and Caleb's strength was the word of God. 
He said, I have God's very own words that give me the strength to be victorious. Folks, you know what we have today? We have God's very own words. We look at Caleb and say, well, you know, he had Moses, and all he had was the Word of God. He didn't stand before God face to face and say, well, uh, let's shake hands on that God. He simply took God's Word and says, God made this promise, and I have the strength in God, and I have His Word, and I'm able to conquer whatever lies ahead of us. Folks, for our strength today, we need to say, hey, I've got God's Word. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And if we have a mountain before us and we need to claim something, we need to say, you know what, I have God's Word and we need to saturate ourselves. We need to be covered in God's Word. And you know what, sometimes I always say, don't hear God's Word set so can sour in here, but sometimes we have to sit back and we have to wait on the Lord. You remember at the day of Pentecost, what did Jesus say? He said, go and wait in an upper room. And at the proper time, I'm going to send power from on high, and he sent his Holy Spirit. Now, we studied this on Wednesday night one time. They didn't just go set, cross their legs, and do their fingers and say, all right, Christ is going to send us some power. They began to make preparations. They began to work. They began to work towards that time that God was going to give them the power of the Holy Spirit. They didn't sit idly by, but they understood God's Word, and they meditated on God's Word, and they studied God's Word. And at the proper time, God sent His strength through the Holy Spirit. And He said, okay, disciples, it's time to go and win the world. At the proper time, 45 years later, God said, Caleb, I've given you the strength to possess your mountain." And he had the Word of God just like the apostles had the Word of God just like you and I have the Word of God. And in the Word of God, we receive our strength. Here's the last thing, Caleb's struggle. Caleb's struggle. We see it in verse 7 and 8. Mark it down. When great things happen, anytime great things happen, it's not going to be absent from some struggles. Now, let's just put that to sports. Okay, most, most folks, you may or may not like sports, but, but most folks understand, you know, if, if you're going to be great in sport, if you're going to be great at anything, let's put it at roping. If you're going to be a great roper, if you're going to be a great bull rider, if you're going to be a great football player, if you're going to be a great baseball player, if you're going to be a, a, a great in your job, there's struggle that comes with that, isn't there? Whatever it is, there's not going to be any victory without some battles. That battle may come in the way of going through college and having to deal with uh, professors and tests and all of those things. That battle may come in the weight room, having to work out and, and eat properly and do the things you have to do to build the strength. That may come through studying a playbook and understanding what the plays are. It may come from learning signs where you can get the right sign to do the right thing. But there's, there's struggle and victory. And when we're willing to say, hey, there's going to be some struggle, there's going to be some swimming up against the flow, there's going to be some naysayers saying, I can't do this and you can't do it and you don't have the money, the talent, the time, the strength, the, you just name it. We're going against those things and there's some struggle, but God gives us strength. God says, if you're committed for me and you have, you have the strength in me, even though there's some struggles, they're going to be 
short-lived struggles. Caleb had to deal with short-sighted negative people. Isn't that terrible? Don't you hate dealing with negative people? People that just drag you down. Just that old voice is just, oh, well, you know, just drags you down. And Caleb had to deal with that. That was his struggle. There was those who opposed him, and, and the devil used the whole generation to say, we can't possess the land. <laughs> that was the struggle. Aren't you glad that Thomas Edison came uh, overcame all the, the naysayers he faced? You know, he had all of those that said, you'll never, uh, you, you'll never do that. After all, we got candles and kerosene. Why, why do we need electricity? We have all the light we need in our homes. Aren't you glad he overcame that? Aren't you glad that the Wright brothers and all the opposition that they had, and, and, and they came out and they said, you know what, uh, we're going we're gonna to invent a, a vehicle that we can fly in. And what do you think people said? If God meant us to fly, he that gave us wings. You know, don't you know they heard that? Boy, ain't no, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. And me and Denise got on an airplane and we flew all the way to Jamaica last month. And you know, it was great. We could look out the window, and I'm not a flyer. All right, you may say, I'd never get on an airplane. Well, you might as well. You're safer in the air than you are driving around in a car. But, but it, it, you can move across the country. Aren't you glad he didn't just give up? Alexander Graham Bell, he was called a fool for trying to talk to someone from a remote location. They said, you're a fool for doing that. That will never work. Alexander Graham Bell. Now, now we have a phone right here in our pocket. You can call anybody in the world from right where you're sitting right here if you have service. Yeah, I told you all one time I read this deal about this, this girl come in with her new cell phone and and uh, she said, Mom, you're not going to believe this, but I can take this phone, I can speak into it, I can send it. The person on the other end can receive it, hear what I say, speak back in it and send it to me, and I can hear what they say. <laughs> and Mom said, well, Alexander Granville would be amazed <laughs> that you can talk on the phone. You know, she had texted so much, she said, you're not going to believe this. You can talk to it, and they can hear you on the other end. Yeah, it's called a telephone. Henry Ford, he had a dream of mass-producing cars that people could afford. What was the deal? We don't need any of those cars. We have horses and buggies. We have ways to get around. They're quicker. They're more efficient. They're, they probably are more efficient today with $5-gallon gasoline. But, but, you know, we don't need those mechanical contraptions over here. We don't need all those things. By the way, they succeeded through sweat and struggle with no money from Congress. They were able to build their own automobile, and they didn't need the government to bail them out. Anytime you have victories, there's going to be naysayers. You know what you need to do with the naysayers? Ignore them. Don't argue with them. Don't, don't carry the conversation with them. Just go, hmm, and ignore them and move on. Because if somebody can pull you down, and I'm talking about in God's work, hey, why wasn't I that, or why wasn't I in that, or why didn't we do this, why didn't we do that, just say, well, that's very interesting, and move on, Okay? Because if God is leading you and God is directing you, then you know what? We're running for a prize that God said, I'm going to give you the victory and I'm going to give you the reward. And, and we need to get away from the naysayers and the people that drag us down. 
overcome the negative people and say, hey, God is with us, God's on our side. We may look like grasshoppers when it comes to it, but God is going to give us the victory. That's what we saw in the Anakim, that, that verse 12. Num- Numbers 14, 19, it says, Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land because you're going to devour them. You know what some translations say? Y'all stay with me. I'm about through. They're going to become your bread. That's what some translations say. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. That's what God's word said. It said, hey, don't rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid of the people, the naysayers, because they're going to become your bread. They're going to become your meal. Caleb said, you know what? I'm going to have the breakfast of champions today. I'm going to have me some Amalekites. I'm going to go. I'm going to eat them up. That's what God's word said. You see it? It says, don't be afraid of them because you'll devour them. They'll become your bread. Why did, God, why did your mama make you eat spinach when you were little? Why? Make you strong and healthy. And they come out with pie pie on a spinach can and said, boy, you can be strong and healthy if you'll eat your spinach. Man, if you'll just do this, you can eat your spinach. You know, have you ever seen a baby chick hatch out of an egg? You know what they say? If that chick pecks a hole in that egg and you take and you go ahead and break it all out of there, that chick's going to die. You know why? Because he didn't struggle. He didn't build the muscles up. He didn't work his way out of the egg. He, He simply laid there. You rescued him, and because of that, he doesn't have anything built up. He doesn't have the muscles, the immunities. He doesn't have all the things that he gets through pecking his way out of that egg. We need to understand when we face giants, when we have struggles, God is developing us muscles, spiritual muscles. He's developing us that that he can say, hey, there's going to be naysayers, there's going to be things you're going to face, and you're going to have to be strong. You're 85 years old, Caleb, but you're going to have to be strong and you're going to have to overcome we we see parents that that build a safety net for their children and they say boy i'm never going to let you fail i'm never going to let you fall i'm always going to rescue you i'm always going to be there and we say boy they they love their children well i think a lot of times we love ourselves and we want our children to succeed so bad that we try to always be the rescuer You know what? Sometimes we have to fall. Sometimes we have to struggle. Sometimes we have to peck our way out of that egg that we can grow muscles, that we can grow understanding, that we can learn lessons, and through that we become strong. That obstacles, those difficulties, those things that we face, God is using those things to grow us spiritually. What's that saying? A lot of people use it when you exercise. No pain, no gain. That's true. Spiritually, no pain, no gain. But through that pain, we're growing, and God says, hey, after all, I'm going to give you the victory. Are you an optimist or are you a pessimist? Are you a realistic person? You might say, well, I'm not optimistic. I'm not pessimistic. I'm just a realist. 
well, that's just as bad, maybe worse, than being an optimist or pessimist. When we use that to go against God, faith is optimistic. God is realistic. And when the Christian places his optimistic faith in God, we have the victory. Here's the last thing, and we're out of time. I heard about a shoe salesman. Boy, I'm on shoes this morning. You're here this, we got a shoe man here this morning. If you need some shoes, he can fix you up. But I heard about a shoe salesman that went to a remote part of Africa. Upon landing, he immediately sent a telegraph back home saying, get me out of here. These people don't even wear shoes. What should he have said? He should have said, Send me all the shoes you got. There is more prospects here than I've ever seen. That, that should be this. That should be our cry. Not God, get me out of the situation, but God, send me the resources, because through surrender, through God's strength, through God's struggle, we can have the victory. Listen by our heads. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If you have the faith of a mustard seed. You can tell this mountain, move here, move there, and it'll be moved because nothing, listen, nothing will be impossible with God. Don't miss those last two words, with God. In our own strength, we find struggle. In our own strength, we find loss. In our own strength, we won't win the victory, but nothing is impossible with the strength of God. Maybe you've had a mountain on layaway. Maybe you just walked up to it. But let's go shopping. Let's find where God wants to give us victory. And let's have that victory today. I'm not, I don't preach a lot about, hey, you know, name it and claim it. That's what God said. But the truth of the scripture is this. God says, I'm going to give you victory. I'm going to give you victory in this world today. Victories to win souls. Victory to bring family to Christ. Victories to, to, to see the kingdom of heaven filled. If we'll but surrender to him, use his strength, and overcome and grow through battle. Father, I pray today that as we look at your word, as we live in the valley of decision, that we would decide to follow you and today, as we have a time of invitation, I pray, Lord, that we'd make that decision. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No looking at the enemies. No looking at the giants. Though none go with me, I'm still going to follow you. Lord, I pray your spirit would help us fulfill that promise as we sing that hymn of commitment to you in Jesus' name.